The Women in Agile podcast series amplifies the voices of outstanding women in the Agile community. We are dedicated to sharing the wisdom and inspiration our community has to offer by telling our stories, being thought leaders, and having open conversations with our allies. This series is brought to you in partnership from the Women in Agile organization and Accenture Solutions IQ. Hello, listeners. Leslie Morse here yet again with another episode of the Coaching Agile Team's mini-series within the Women in Agile podcast. I'm delighted that this sixth conversation gets into some really meaty topics with Lisa. In fact, the pathway to becoming an Agile coach was so rich, we split this into two episodes. So today you'll get the introduction to the knapsack metaphor we use as our conversation explores all the things you might want to collect on your own Agile coaching journey. During part one of this topic, you'll hear us cover things such as Agile coaching as a discipline or profession versus how Agile coach is a role or a title. And we touch on something I'm personally passionate about, which is the potential implications of hierarchy within Agile coaching roles. Lisa and I also have some true confession moments where we share things from our own journeys we really might not want you to know. To bottom line it, this episode primes you with guidance for not only new people on their journey, but also pointers for advancing your skills. We emphasize the importance of inner work and vertical development, as well as direct you towards industry organizations that are taking a stand for the intersection of professional coaching and how agile coaches bring professional coaching skills in to amplify their work. If you want to stay up to date with everything happening on the Coaching Agile Team's Miri series, please visit us online at www.womeninagile.org cat. I hope you enjoy this conversation and be sure to come back next week for the second part of this discussion. Thanks so much for tuning in. Good afternoon, Lisa. Hi, Leslie. It's good to be back here again chatting with you. I know. I am, I'm going to miss this when we don't do this regularly anymore. I know. I know. Uh, we'll have to find another project to collaborate on that is in the spirit of right, women in Agile and creating all the things. Yeah, but, but let's, not, let's not lose today by morning tomorrow. Yes, exactly. Um, We are going to talk about the pathway to becoming an Agile coach today. Mm -hmm. And so I thought we might use an interesting check-in here and go back to the Agile coaching competency framework, which is something so many people have used as um, part of their their mental model and, and toolkit around their own journey. And if you were a segment of the framework what segment are you feeling closest to today? Well, it might be Agile Lean Practitioner, which is not my usual go-to, but that is sort of the nuts and bolts one in the framework. It's knowing about the practices, but also the values and principles underneath it. It's knowing about like the subject matter we're going to talk about, which is how to. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm feeling drawn to mentorship yeah. today because I think I really want to try to hold sort of that stance of colleague. Mm. Um, having done agile coaching work, having done work on my own professional coach journey, and just sort of speaking from that place of and what it was like for me and being curious um, in the conversation today, but really coming from that you're not teaching, but mentoring of someone. Yeah. Like you've walked this path. Yeah. Here's what it was like for me. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I love it. I love it. So 
Um, yeah, I think there's a real theme around path actually today. Mm-hmm. And what what about that metaphor can serve this conversation? Well, I think what a lot of people don't know, and I hadn't even thought about it myself, is that um, everywhere I go, I end up taking pictures of pathways. And I have, oh my gosh, probably hundreds of pictures of pathways from all my travels all over the world. Some of them are boardwalks. Some of them are sort of overgrown in the forest. Some have steps. Some are winding. I mean, it's just so many different kinds of pathways. I'm thinking about one picture in particular on this little island in the archipelago and in, in, off the coast of Stockholm, Sweden, where it's just this beautiful forest and this pathway. It's just gorgeous. So pathways, hmm, it's kind of interesting. Like, so what is the value of a pathway? I mean, for me, if I think about being on that little island off the coast of Stockholm, it would have been pretty hard for me to discover that island by myself if there wasn't a place for me to walk. And I certainly would not have walked into a forest by myself without a pathway on an island I don't know with people who um, speak a language that I don't speak. And um, although so many people speak English there, but, but still it was, I mean, that, that, that forest was a little bit magical. It was sort of dark, even though you could see filtered light through it. Like I, I'm pretty sure I would not have gone in there without a pathway. And so I think that's the value. Yeah. Yeah. And I, let's use this metaphor to play with a little bit, the distinction of how the pathway to agile coach looked 10 years ago to the way that it is today, because I almost imagine, right, you and a handful of others were the ones like charting the pathway to this sort of unknown island 10 years ago, right? The book Coaching Agile Teams was, you know, the first cut of that pathway and sort of what it really takes to start talking about the journey. Yeah. But it is much more ingrained. In fact, there are multiple pathways in some instance towards Agile Coach if we think about what's happened over the past decade. So how would you compare and contrast? You know, and when I wrote the Coaching Agile Teams book, the only thing I could come up with is the coach as. So coach as facilitator, coach as teacher, coach as collaboration conductor. And obviously those things are not necessarily the same types of categories even. Um, but that was the best way I had of organizing it at that time. And I guess I was just sort of hacking a path through a jungle. I mean, obviously other people yeah. have been through that jungle before. I was not the first one to go into that jungle, but there was there was not a pathway laid down for other people to follow. So I think that the, the organization is still to this day imperfect, but it was good enough to create a starter set of definitions. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. then lots of things came after that. And what would you, so with that sort of, we were in the jungle, you know, hacking that first pathway, how would you describe the way you view it today? Um, The way I view it today, yeah, well, um, so these pathways are definitely paved today. There's not, it's not just a meandering pathway through a beautiful tame forest off the coast of Stockholm. It's definitely not something that has the dangers of sort of like hacking through the rainforest, like what was at the beginning. Um, it's there, there's some paved roads now. Yeah. Yeah. 
And so I think as we talk about what this pathway looks like, I want us to get into a couple different things. Like, what are some of those prototypical sort of journeys that folks go on? Like, what's your background? How might you become an Agile coach? And then sort of regardless of where you've come from, what are the models and resources for development? Almost like, what are you going to put in your knapsack as you go on the hike? Uh, And then I think a really important thing is the intersection with professional coaching, because we do call it agile coach. The concept of professional coaching is getting so much more traction in our overall agile community. But then also, like, where are the blind spots and what are the challenges that people are still encountering? Because while the pathways are paved, right, there are people adding new trails off of that. And there's still like, how do you decide which way to go and where might you get stuck? Um, So that sounds like all good terrain to cover. Yes, it does. So I think let's hit all of it almost a little bit at a high level and then decide where we want to unpack and where the juicy parts are. Sounds good. Does that sound good? Okay. So when I think about, let's just start off like those prototypical pathways, right? You most classically think about, right? Oh, I was a scrum master and now I'm going to go be an agile coach. Um, Another one that I actually think of is um, product owner becoming agile coaches, like those kind of the classic roles in agile teams becoming agile coaches. But then there's also those intersections like, oh, I've been a project manager in the past. I was a people manager in the past. Maybe I was a tech lead because agile coaching can take multiple forms. Given the you know thousands and thousands of folks you've been exposed to over the years, what would you say are those most popular starting points for people that are embarking in this direction? I'm still hearing a lot of project managers turned agile coaches. I'm still hearing a lot of that in the industry. Um, more, more often than not, because I've been working with people who already have experience in Agile in the last eight, 10 years, um, they no longer have identities of people manager or project manager or some other thing that came before because they're coming to me to learn agile coaching. And so they're already Mm -hmm. sort of identified with maybe not agile coach as a role name, but the discipline of agile coaching, no matter what their role name happens to be. So let's, let's look at that for just a second. Um, In the value of distinguishing between agile coaching as sort of a discipline or a profession versus agile coaching as a job title or as a, um, role name explicitly and how is the need to make those distinctions or not and how that impacts people's journeys. When we give a name to a role, we give purpose and power and privilege to a role. And so there's some real value in having role names. Mm-hmm. I think that I think that helps people just know. So it's like it's like if you didn't have any durable categories in your head, every time you walked into a room, you had to look at this furniture in the room and say, well, hang on, is that a sofa or a chair? And will it hurt me? I mean, like categories are important and roles play and roles play that same sort of uh, general categorization lets people know, like, what is this generally about? Yeah. And will it hurt me or not? So that's important. I get nervous when organizations start put making those roles 
equal titles, equal steps in their hierarchical structure. Can you say just a little bit more about that? Because I have some of those same concerns. Yeah. My nervousness is around, well, number one, if, if we are now codifying or solidifying that there is a, let's say, a scrum master role and an agile coach role, and the scrum master's role is supposed to begin and end here, and the co agile coach role is supposed to pick up at the end of that one, that's where it's going to begin, and then it's going to end somewhere else. And then there's an enterprise coach role, perhaps. So then what happens is that you get this really weird thing that I'm hearing all the time all over the world, which is sort of like, um, as a scrum master, I'm just a glorified admin. Yeah, they're marginalizing the power. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, so like, so why do that? Why cut yourself off at the knees like that? Because, uh, and, and we were seeking in the IC Agile learning path for Agile coaching in this latest update we did a couple years ago, version 2.0, we were seeking to sort of decouple that a bit and start mm -hmm. talking about the fact that there are steps of development in the discipline of Agile coaching, but you're all Agile coaches. Yeah, it's because scrum masters need to act as agile coaches. That's right. It's right. just it's just that their scope of influence is one or a few teams typically. Right. Yes. Right. And then an ad, someone who might have the role of agile coach, their scope of influence tends to be multiple teams, maybe a value stream or a program, that sort of level. But they need exactly the same skills. Yes exactly the same skills. And so I think this is sort of the, the danger that I have seen played out in organizations is they sort of say a scrum master is just like junior coach and they're not supposed to. I, I've heard people say, well, I'm not supposed to deal with conflict on my teams. I have to get my agile coach to help me with that. And I'm like, what? Ooh, my stomach hurts with that one. I'm like, you're the one on the ground actually seeing it. Yes. I mean, so obviously you need you know, upgraded 21st century skills for working with conflict and helping the team work with it, yeah, obviously. Yeah. But those are the sort of uh, counterintuitive things that organizations will do to try to shoehorn things into their current agile disabling structures and procedures and mm -hmm. processes. Yeah, yeah. And, and what about this shapes the way that you want to outline some of the tradition or some of the common pathways to agile coaching for folks today? I don't know that I have a lot to say about how those pathways may be different because I've only walked one of them myself. Mm. So I really only have an intimate view on this idea of project manager to agile coach. And, and my, when I recorded the audiobook, I was so shocked at how firm I was about how, especially on that pathway, you need a mentor. Yes. You need a mentor to be there with you as you are working with your team or your teams. Because if you're coming from that discipline and you're really good at the plan-driven mindset and you're very good at controlling things and especially people, you won't know when you're doing it. Yes, yes. We're gonna talk with my mentor in another one of these episodes. Mm -hmm. But I will tell you that if it were not for Mike looking at me and going, you're doing it again, I'd be like, what? What do you mean? What am I doing? You're trying to control them again. I'm like, no, I'm not. Oh, crap, I am. I am. That role of mentor as mirror 
mm-hmm. is sometimes the most useful function yeah. that a mentor can can provide. And and from that angle, right? I th- this feels like a really dirty secret. Um, ah, I'm ready. I had never actually been on an agile or scrum team before I became an agile coach. Cause my pathway was people, a leader Me neither. in agile organization into agile coach, agile trainer. Um, and it, I mean, I had plenty of practical expertise working in an agile environment where we had 16 teams that were doing sprint reviews every two weeks, but that was a non-traditional path towards agile coaching at least back then, it felt like. Well, so I guess my path was similar, except for instead of being a people manager, I was a project manager. So I was never an Agile team member either. I guess it's another little dirty secret. Yeah. And, and honestly, until I started using the personal agility system for my own whole life and work and everything regarding myself a couple of years ago, there were lessons that I bought believed in, taught other people, coached people around, but never actually felt myself. Mm-hmm. And so I really think it is important that everyone uses Agile in some way. If they're not on a yes. team, the, I think the personal agility system is a really great way of people who will never be on an Agile team for them to get the same lessons and the same difficulties and trade-offs that Agile team members have to make. Yes, every day. Every day. And like really get it, like in your bones, get it. Yeah. And so when when you think about, at least for me, that first real, um, oh, like, okay moment that I really remember having around honing my own discipline and expertise as someone doing agile coaching. It's like, I actually think I was cleaning out my office recently here while we've been in kind of lockdown mode and um, found the piece of paper from the first time I ever saw you present at a conference where you gave a handout that was the agile coaching competency framework. And you had us do an individual exercise where we had to color in the wedges for like relatively to how much expertise we felt like we had in those different things. And I'm like, Oh, wow. This is, there's actually a thing for me to study here and decide how I want to build my personal pathway for learning and development so that I can be good at doing this with my clients. Um, So that agile coaching competency framework is like one of the big building blocks that I think a lot of us have shared on our journeys, but there's so many other resources and opportunities and models for development. So like, Let's celebrate you and create awareness of all these other possibilities. Yeah, for sure. And that competency framework tends to form, um, if not the direct foundation of some of these pathways we're going to talk about, it definitely influences them. You can see aspects of it. Mm-hmm. So um, it's sort of a, it, well, it's a framework, right? Yeah. And these pathways have to come along to provide a little more guidance uh, to enliven the framework. Right. So what are you, where are you pointing people today as they want, they need to go learn and hone these skills? Well, what's happening today, and this is so recent, and it's in the last 18 months or so, is that all three of the main, I'll call them trade organizations, 
in the agile world are focusing on agile coaching. Mm -hmm. And that is great news. And so there's lots of help for people who want to develop themselves in the discipline of agile coaching, whatever their role is called, whatever their title is called. And for a long time, there's been IC Agile. That's the one that I got involved with back in 2010, where we created the first set of learning objectives for two different stages or steps of development in the Agile coaching pathway. And that is great. There are, there are certifications that say, hey, you've gotten this knowledge. And then there's actually an expert certification where you have to prove competence you know, and be assessed and scored against a, a known rubric of, you know, behavioral anchors of different levels of skill in these various um, skill sets of agile coaching. So that has been sort of the meat and potatoes of how one develops oneself as an agile coach. I've been pointing to that now for 10 years. Mm-hmm. And now there's the enterprise coaching learning objectives as well, which build on that basis and really expand or bring in more of the adjacencies around organizational development and more change management theory Mm -hmm. um, beyond just those kind of tried and true working with smaller systems sort of things, like just at the team level. For sure. For sure. So all those steps in developing yourself as an Agile coach exist at IC Agile. And what I really appreciate about IC Agile is that the expert level certifications require you to show your skill, mm-hmm. not just write about your skill. Right. there, and, and you pointed to mentoring earlier. That's so important. Um, I was just having a conversation with um, some folks uh, the other day, and they said, but Leslie, that's exactly the problem. You can see 15 resumes of people that have eight years of agile experience, and they're still actually really terrible at this. So as someone that's maybe young on their journey, how do you know that the people you're reaching out to for mentorship are really good qualified mentors versus people that maybe look really good on paper? Because that discernment's really important. Yeah, I think I would, it's just coming to me in the moment, I might ask the prospective mentor to draw me their journey line of their journey with Agile. Who were your teachers? What were the disciplines you went and studied? Um, You know, because I do think there is an aspect of, it matters who your teachers were. It matters how much they really grokked Agile. It matters how much the experience they had. It matters how much they were able to go outside of the Agile frameworks and bring in other allied disciplines that helped the frameworks be enlivened and enriched. Enriched, that's a great word, enriched. Yeah. So, so I might do that because there's no way you know. Mm-hmm. You, have to, you have to interview them. And I would say, you know, you know draw me the ups and downs of your journey in, in, in your agile world. And I think those stories of what were your pivotal learning moments, yep. Yep. Um, I think is so important because that's really where the richness comes in for me. The times that I know like, oh, wow, I did that. And I certainly wouldn't do that again. And these are all the reasons. Um, Is how you 
really kind of hone your craft. Because if you're not having those moments, you're actually not back to that very first line of the manifesto, uncovering ways. Because that does require an aspect of experimentation, whether it's a technique that you sort of come up with on your own, or it's a technique that you've learned from someone else and you're applying for the first time. Yeah. Around what works and what doesn't. Is this different when you are working, say, um, at a consulting company as a scrum master for hire or an agile coach for hire versus you're an embedded employee within an organization? And how might developing and honing your skills be different in each of those scenarios? So the pathways, I believe, are the same. And there are pluses and minuses to each of those situations, right? So when I work with um, people developing themselves as agile coaches and they're inside of organizations, I typically have to do a lot of work with them to get them to understand and believe that the role they're in has natural power and that it's up to them to step into that natural power so they can fully express that agile coaching discipline and that role that they're in. Yeah, this is where that that aspect of working on yourself and your own inner work is such an important part of it and was pivotal for me. Because until you kind of have that own agency to know that I can grow and develop myself, how are you ever, you cannot give what it is you don't have. That's right. right. I, yeah. That's right. And let's just talk about the scrum master role for a minute. So the scrum master role gets plunked right down in the middle of the organization's impediments. Mm-hmm. Right. So there's something I, I don't know if I'm the one who said this, but I feel like I am, that the only thing that Agile is guaranteed to deliver 100% of the time are impediments. Yes. Right. And so that's actually its job. It's actually its job. But it's, it's uncovering impediments that are beyond the scope of influence typically of the scrum master. And so it doesn't mean the scrum master can't do anything about it. It just means that the scrum master has got to find in themselves a place to stand as the guardian of quality and high performance and therefore the guardian of the process that creates that, Mm -hmm. right? To go to their boss, maybe their boss's boss and say, hey, part of my job is to make sure that we are all working the Agile process as best as we can to deliver value. We talked about using Agile well, right? So how can we use it? And part of using Agile well, sometimes I might have to come to you and give you some feedback about things that you think are perfectly fine, but now that we're working in this Agile way, there's some downside to it. So like, I think, how will that go when I come to you, boss's boss, and have to give you some feedback? There, and there is finesse in this because it's so easy. Um, and I'm going to reference a little bit of uh, Torbert's work around leadership action logics. When you're sort of sitting in this mindset of um, expert as agilist to inadvertently make those conversations come up as if you're talking to someone and that the way we've been doing it is wrong when really it's the way we've been doing us served us well on these pursuits, but our, our purpose and our pursuits are changing and evolving. So our ways of being and working need to change and evolve with it. And so it's really honoring where we've been versus making that boss or that boss's boss 
feel wrong for the decisions that they made that may have been totally valid in the past, but now we have an opportunity to make new decisions. That's right. So you see the inner work that someone has to do to fully occupy any of these agile coaching roles. Mm -hmm. And there's a really good reason why courage is a core scrum value. Yes. It's a really important reason why, because it requires us to all really step forward and step out and take a stand for this thing because the organization wants to get the benefits from it. But if the organization and the people in it can't get out of the way of it, they won't get those benefits. Yeah. Transparency is the other thing that I think has already come up in a variety of different ways here. Right? You talked about Mike being your mentor and making transparent to you, right? By putting that mirror in your face and you're controlling them again, right? This, mm-hmm. that story of the scrum master going to the leaders, right? That's them holding up that mirror, making it transparent, what it is that's really happening here. And in learning about that and honing these skills is something that takes, right? You can collect resources from a lot of different places, right? Scrum Alliance has this whole new kind of body of resources and everything on the path to CTC, um, right? Certified team coach that's there. I think um, you let me know the woman that's helped them curate some of that is, to our best knowledge, the only ICF, right, International Coaching Federation, master coach yes. that is in the Agile space. That's right. That's right. Her name is Sherry Silas. So yes. she's the only master certified coach for in the professional coaching world that is also an Agilist. And, yeah. and she has created some amazing free content. You can just go on the Scrum Alliance website and start watching these video lessons. And it, it might even be hundreds of hours of free learning. Um, because the Scrum Alliance found what IC Agile found, which is that the weak part in people's development along the journey of Agile coaching is not only the professional coaching skill set, but the professional coaching mindset that now starts to underpin the entire discipline. And so that's something that takes practice about the skills um, and also inner work about the mindset. Yeah. And and as you start bringing in that professional coaching mindset and discipline, I love that phrasing of it's like becomes an underpinning of how you occupy this discipline of agile coaching. Because agile coaching is not professional coaching but professional coaching is part of agile coaching. That's right. And we can, yeah, we can dig into that in a little bit more in a minute, but there is the idea of a place of conflict that a lot of people have had. I've had it myself and I talked to others um, is ethics, right? Because once you do real professional coach training, especially things aligned with um, ICF or right facilitation, is another one of the areas of the Agile Coaching Competency Framework. And you have the International Association for Facilitation. It has a code of ethics. And we don't have a code of ethics as Agilists. We have values and principles, but we don't have a code of ethics. And the Agile Alliance is going after that angle of it. They are. There's a brand new uh, working group that's been put together. Um, and two people I know really well, one from New Zealand and one from Australia, are the organizers of it. So they're pulling together their teammates and they're going after the question of, you know, what, what can we do to create more consistency 
in the profession of Agile coaching so that people know what to expect and what they're buying. Because to your point earlier, I see 15 resumes. They all look like they're pretty much the same. And I don't know who is sort of real and who isn't because anyone can call themselves an Agile coach. Thank you so much for checking out this episode of the Coaching Agile Team's mini-series. The Women in Agile podcast team is honored to be the home for this special content. If you enjoyed the show, we ask you to please rate and review our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or your other preferred podcast platform. That will help us achieve our mission of amplifying the voices of women in our Agile community. As always, a huge thank you to the Women in Agile podcast sponsor, Accenture Solutions IQ. And if you're interested in finding out more about the initiatives from the Women in Agile nonprofit organization, we invite you to visit womeninagile.org. Thanks again for tuning in.